This week, 3M subsidiary Aero Technologies files Chapter 11. Bosch and Savaxon patents could be invalidated. Fifth Circuit vacates FERC orders. Reorg uses Credit Cloud to analyze dip lender strategies. Boy Scouts judge issues confirmation decision. Hello and welcome to the Reorg Podcast, where we bring the latest developments in high yields of stress and in bankruptcy. We'll be taking a brief break from our deep dive segment this week. We'll be back soon with more premium content. It's Friday, July 29th. Aero Technologies LLC, a wholly owned subsidiary of 3M that manufactures custom noise, vibration, thermal, and shock protection solutions, filed for Chapter 11 on Tuesday, July 26th in the U.S. Bankruptcy Court for the Southern District of Indiana. According to a press release issued by 3M, the debtors voluntarily initiated Chapter 11 proceedings seeking court supervision to help establish a trust funded by 3M to efficiently and equitably resolve more than 200,000 tort claims related to combat arms earplugs manufactured by Aero. 3M acquired Aero in an all-stock purchase in 2008. 3M has also committed an additional $240 million to fund project-related case expenses and will provide additional funding if required under the terms of the agreement. Unlike other recent mass tort bankruptcies such as LTL management, 3M placed its existing subsidiaries in Chapter 11 and did not utilize the Texas two-step. The debtors do, however, cite Judge Michael Kaplan's February 25th holding in the LTL Management Texas two-step case for the proposition that addressing mass torts through a legislative scheme enacted by Congress within the bankruptcy system provides a judicially accepted means of aggregating and resolving mass tort claims. Debtors intend to file a motion to estimate their total combat arms and other tort liabilities so they can utilize a key tool of Sections 524G and 105A of the Bankruptcy Code in the event the parties are unable to reach a settlement. The first day hearing on Wednesday featured sharp disagreements over the legitimacy of the debtor's bankruptcy filing and the merits of the request for a temporary restraining order to enjoin the Massive Combat Arms Multidistrict Litigation, or MDL, from proceeding against non-debtor parent and co-defendant 3M. Faced with the prospect of a full evidentiary hearing on the TRO request, the debtors and the plaintiff's firms objecting to TRO agreed to a three-week stay of depositions and deadlines in the MDL. At a hastily called hearing after the bankruptcy filing, Judge M. Casey Rogers, who oversees the combat arms MDL where the tort cases had been proceeding, was very critical of the debtor's decision to file and hinted that 3M should not be permitted to leave the MDL. Later in the week, however, Judge Rogers denied a TRO motion from a plaintiff that requested she enjoin 3M for seven days from taking any action outside the MDL to enjoin other parties from pursuing their claims. In the denial, Judge Rogers cited the fact that the bankruptcy court is still weighing a stay. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals emphatically struck down a strategy by counterparties to financially distressed firms in the oil and gas industry seeking to gain a tactical advantage by looking to the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission to lock in FERC-regulated filed rates before their distressed counterparty files for Chapter 11 and invokes the Bankruptcy Code's rejection power. The Fifth Circuit's sharply worded opinion in Gulfport Energy v. FERC vacated as unlawful four challenged pre-petition FERC orders that Rover Pipeline had been using in an attempt to shield the Transportation Service Agreements, or TSAs, from rejection in natural gas producers' Gulfport's Chapter 11 cases. The FERC orders vacated by the Fifth Circuit had determined shortly before Gulfport filed for Chapter 11 in November 2020 that if Gulfport subsequently filed for bankruptcy and sought to reject Rover's TSAs, Gulfport would not only have to obtain bankruptcy court approval to reject those filed rate contracts, but also get FERC's separate approval to stop performing under the contracts. The FERC orders were premised on the theory that rejection modifies or abrogates filed rates, the modification of which is under the Commission's exclusive jurisdiction. 
Fifth Circuit found that FERC orders were unlawful and that each rests on the erroneous premise that rejecting a filed rate contract in bankruptcy is something more than a breach of contract. That premise is wrong, so we must vacate the orders, concludes the Fifth Circuit. The Gulf Board opinion further strengthens a debtor's ability to reject the burdensome filed rate contracts in the Fifth Circuit, which covers Louisiana, Mississippi, and Texas. Unlike the Fifth Circuit's 2004 Morant and 2022 Ultra Petroleum decisions, the latest Gulfport opinion involved a set of prepetition FERC orders issued in anticipation of Gulfport's impending bankruptcy filing and rejection motions. On Thursday, U.S. District Judge Richard Andrews entered an oral order, which he says is based on an assumption that Bosch Health's facts and patents are invalid, and which could potentially expose the company to a significant loss of revenue in EBITDA. Assuming typically high branded EBITDA margins, Faxon could contribute almost half of Bosch Health's unlevered cash flow. Although Bosch has been able to reach agreements with a number of other pharmaceutical companies recognizing Bosch's intellectual property rights over its Faxon tablets, preventing these companies from competing until 2028 and 2029, prior situations which branded drugs face competition from only one generic competitor, as outlined below, have led to a significant revenue erosion. Timing of potential competing product from Norwich, a subsidiary of Alvagen, is uncertain. Bosch said it would consider all available options to vigorously defend the intellectual property protecting Zafaxin and would appeal the court's decision to U.S. Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit. Bosch added that the FDA has stated that they plan to make a major revision to the Refaxin product-specific guidance to add an in vivo bioequivalency study. Therefore, according to Bosch, until an approval of revised abbreviated new drug application, or ANDA, is granted by the FDA and the expected injunction is modified by the court, Norwich is not permitted to launch a generic equivalent of Zafaxin. According to the oral ruling, Bosch Health and Norwich are required to submit proposed final judgment by August 3rd on the assumption that the court's conclusions will be that Bosch's polymorph and IBSD claims are invalid as obvious. Bosch's hephatic encephalopathy, or HE, patents will be deemed valid, and Norwich's ANDA, which will be deemed to infringe on those patents. Rigged this week used Credit Cloud to analyze how prepetition stakeholders can use debtor and possession facilities to acquire equity and reorganize companies or to influence cases. Specifically, Reorg's analysis used Credit Cloud to find cases in which prepetition creditors, senior and junior, acted as dip lenders and either converted dip claims into equity of reorganized companies or received equity on their prepetition claims. Reorg also analyzed as a separate category situations in which a dip was funded by a party that was not a creditor prepetition or prior to a time that a company announced its intention to file for Chapter 11. To access Rearg's full credit cloud-aided analysis of prepetition stakeholders' use of dip facilities to acquire equity and reorganize companies or to influence cases, please reach out to a Rearg representative. On Friday, Judge Lori Selber-Silverstein entered an opinion regarding confirmation of the Boy Scouts' third modified Fifth Amendment plan, concluding that, quote, the debtors have decisions to make regarding the plan and need sufficient time to determine how to proceed. The opinion states that the court has noted one exception to the appropriateness of the scouting-related releases, namely the settlement with the Church of Latter-day Saints. Finding that the record does not reflect the settlement values for the historical abuse claims captures consideration for non-scouting abuse. Judge Silverstein also says that her review of the plan provisions does not reflect the debtor's purported corrections with respect to U.S. trustees' objections to the exculpation provisions. The opinion also notes, with respect to the trust distribution procedures, that if the plan is confirmed, the confirmation order will provide the settlement trustee will propose procedures to suss out fraudulent claims taking into account factors she deems appropriate, which can include a cost-benefit analysis. Judge Silverstein took the matter under advisement April 14th, following five weeks of testimony and argument. On April 22nd, per the court's request, the debtors filed a revised proposed plan, confirmation order, and plan supplements that reflect non-substantive and technical modifications, as well as incorporate certain agreements reached between the parties resulting from the confirmation trial. Top Red Stories this week included, 
Discovery to continue into March 4th, 2024 and 6.4 billion CVR litigation against Bristol-Myers Squibb. Issues with 2023 maturities face refinancing difficulty. Envision Healthcare Men's 1L term loan to include $300 million in new money first out tranche. Crypto questions. Who owns the assets? How to reorganize? And what enforcement comes next? Kathy Taz on vacation this week, so I'll be handling the week ahead from here in Forest Hills, Queens. On Monday, August 1st, Mexican payroll lender Credito Real, which filed a Chapter 15 petition for recognition of its Mexican liquidation proceeding, will have a hearing on its motion seeking dismissal of its involuntary Chapter 11 case initiated by creditors on June 22nd in the Bankruptcy Court for the Southern District of New York. On Wednesday, August 3rd, we have a hearing in the SunGuard Availability Services on conditional approval of their disclosure statement. Also Wednesday, we have a hearing on a direct energy business debtor's motion for derivative standing to pursue estate claims against Ector's indirect parent, Invenergy Thermal Operating, and certain affiliates. In Brazos' electric power cooperative cases, we have a motion to dismiss the debtor's amended adversary complaint seeking to reduce approximately $180 million of filed claims based on natural gas sales. The amended complaint was filed after the court granted a prior motion to dismiss, allowing the debtor to replete with additional specificity. On Thursday, August 4th, Devoya Digital debtors will be seeking approval of their proposed bid procedures. They'll also be seeking authority to resume certain cryptocurrency transactions that have been put on hold since July 1st, which include honoring customer withdrawals for the benefit of accounts held at Metropolitan Commercial Bank and to resume staking cryptocurrencies on behalf of their customers. The debtors are also seeking authorization to liquidate cryptocurrency assets from customer accounts that hold a negative U.S. dollar balance and sweep such cash into the debtors' accounts. The debtors have said that such cash is currently being held at various third-party exchanges, including, among others, Coinbase Trust Company. Finally, Voyager Digital is also seeking authority to sell its indirect non-debtor subsidiary Coinify APS through a private sale. Through the transaction, Voyager received $2 million cash for its equity interests, subject to a half-million-dollar reduction for interim working capital paid to the debtors prior to the closing date, including a potential earnout payment relating to subsequent sale transactions consummated within three years of closing. On Friday, in the Moby SPA litigation, the Morgan Stanley defendants will have their motion to dismiss the New York Supreme Court torch interference suit against them, arguing that the June 20 creditor approval of Moby Italian's Concordato plan has rendered the suit moot. Moby has argued that the defendants conspired to take over Moby at all costs by engaging in insider trading, causing Moby to suffer liquidity crisis by interfering with the sale of vessels to DFDS and misusing confidential insider information to trade in Moby's notes, with the ultimate goal of attaining majority voting power in Moby's Italian Concordato proceeding. Thank you again for listening to this Rear Weekly Review. You can find all our podcasts on the rear.com webinars and podcast page, as well as Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Amazon. Hope your families are healthy and safe. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next Friday.